Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bignall. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, we'll learn about Thai Tykes, a free drop-in program promoting child and family wellness in the Elmwood neighborhood of Winnipeg. We'll learn more about how the program builds skills and enhances community connections. Then, on the RC360 road trip, we're going to be visiting the Marine Museum of Manitoba up in Selkirk. We'll take you on a tour of the many ships that are located there, including the famous SS Kenora, and talk to museum manager Shay Nordle about the coolest parts of the ships. Then, we'll learn about the brand new addition of a makerspace to the Millennium Library. The Idea Mill had its grand opening this week, and we were in attendance for the ribbon cutting. Ed Cuddy, manager of library services, told us all about what this new space means for the library and what cutting-edge technology is available for use. And lastly, we'll speak with Bonnie Schmidt, the founder and president of Let's Talk Science, to learn more about how it's engaging youth across Canada in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello and welcome to RC360. I'm Nolan. You're Robert. Sure am. You're a little under the weather today, buddy. How are you feeling? Also sure am. You sound, you look great. You sound rough. So you look better than you sound. I think the cold is starting to wear off. It kicked in late, late Friday and it's just been sort of a roller coaster ever you since. Need, you need more rest maybe. You're not resting enough. Well, I've been I've tried to rest it off as best as I can. That's good. But uh How was last week for you? Maybe you were working so hard cuz I was gone. <laughs> I could I very put it well all be. On you. Thank you very much for taking the reins of the show and making sure it was amazing as always. But uh yeah, appreciate that. How was no the worries. week? It was a good week. Yeah, we had uh we had a great show last week very and cool. Of course, had our continued our road trips. We had our first one outside of uh, the perimeter of the city, basically, uh, in Manitou. And, An uh, actual road trip as opposed to just a little, you know, bus ride over to where <laughs> exactly. in, the city walls. Yeah, it's exciting. And what was the highlight of Manitou for you? Uh, seeing, well, we went to, uh, to Nellie's homes. So they were the homes uh, previously of Nellie McClung. Cool. And uh, it was just really neat to see how beautifully restored they were. Mm. Um, they were all, uh, I believe, previously located elsewhere, but later moved Brought on to, the, to one. the one location and then beautifully, you know, just beautifully restored to the look of, of that time. That's something that's definitely making me appreciate history. I've, I'm, I've always been someone who kind of look, looks forward and not back, but going on these road trips and seeing the different archives and seeing all these museums, it's like we have quite a substantial history in, in here in Manitoba and in Canada in general specifically. I mean, it was really cool to go to the uh, to the Mar- Marine Museum last week with Sunny and, and we checked things out. Shay took us on a beautiful tour of the SS Kinor. I think it was made in 1897 and it had so many stories of traveling all across Canada and show, and, and it's, I was really interested and excited to learn, and I'm excited to share it with all of our listeners because it's a pretty cool uh, place. So if you've never been to the, Sel- the Marine Museum in Selkirk, you should head out there, check it out. Shay will take you on her tour, or someone will take you on her tour. Maybe not Shay. She's probably busy managing me at the actual museum. But uh, yeah, check it out. Have you, have you been, you're from, are you from Selkirk? I am, you yes. Are, so and, you've probably uh, been on those ships many a time. I have been to the uh, Marine Museum before, yeah, and it's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. 
yeah. seeing those uh, seeing those ships and how beautifully restored they are. And well, it's cool to. I wasn't expecting it. I had never been there. I walked up and it, all of a sudden it's just like boom. There's just like a half a dozen huge ships that yeah. like Titanic size, maybe not Titanic size, but huge ships that you just walk up and and you can't help but be in awe of uh, of how cool it looks. And they're all just kind of like sitting together like chips in the night quietly it's, it was very cool but that's not what we're going to be leading off with we always lead things off with a song uh after the break we're going to uh we're going to get right into the tie tyke story but uh let's kick things off with this with the song first what do you got for us this week rob we're going to start the show off today with the emeralds and be happy right here on river city 360 Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you today. I'm here with Dale Karasik, the Executive Director of the Chalmers Neighborhood Renewal Corporation, as well as Arlene Reed with the Together in Elmwood Parent-Child Coalition. Dale, Arlene, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Together in Elmwood operates the Thai Tykes program. Tell us a little bit about that program and how it got established. Uh, the Thai Tykes program, um, I believe, began in 2008. Um, and it was working out of a, a, ch- a local neighborhood church. 
and then in 2011, it started working out of the Elmwood East Kildonan Active Living Centre, and it began with three families and has grown from there, and it provides a chance for parents to come and connect with other parents and get resources and a chance for kids to play and socialize and start to work on some of the the skills that they are going to need when they get to school. So in focusing on how programs like this connect with the needs in the community, what are the goals of the Thai Tikes program and what would you say sets it apart from other programming in the neighborhood? The Thai Tikes program is not a drop your child off and disappear type thing. It's a it's a parent-child uh, drop-in where the parents come and actually work with their children on different skills, uh, whether it be literacy, numeracy, nutrition and to connect parents with other parents and provide them with the sources and the knowledge that they need to know to have successful children and successful parents. When children go to a Thai Tykes session, what are some of the activities that they can take part in while they're there? What are some of the things that they can do? They have a circle time where the facilitators will sit down and read a story or they'll sing songs. We also have a craft table available so kids can work on their fine motor skills and do some different activities with that. We also provide a healthy snack. Um, There's also the opportunity for kids to run around and play with different toys. Um, They have stations. Each station has a different target, uh, whether it be gross motor or fine motor. They uh, also have partners with other organizations. Every once in a while, Frontier College will come in and uh, do some literacy with us. And we also uh, operate and have different uh, other programs like Handle With Care and mental health initiatives. It's really a 360 degree approach to helping build skills for for children. Absolutely, we uh, have recently seen the numbers of how successful the children have been. And the children that have participated in the Thai Tikes program are that much more able to adapt to the new school environment and are uh, are not as uh, timid and fit right into the system. TITEKS also, as you mentioned, has components of the program for parents as well. What are some of the resources and things that are offered for parents? With all the different uh, organizations we partner with, we um, partner with CNRC and they are able to provide us with some of their initiatives, which include um, helping families with home ownership issues. We also partner with Frontier College. The kids get to play and then the parents learn some more tools to uh, teach children more literacy skills and numeracy skills. And we also have community kitchens, which will help us to teach families nutritional information, as well as um, mental health initiatives that are very key in uh, in keeping our, our families safe and together. It's not just parents, too. It's parents and caregivers. So we have a lot of grandparents that will come in to help their children be successful. And with tykes, the parents and caregivers that come with their children, they're always looking for something to talk about, to share, and to also walk away with, which has been a real bonus um, because now they learn about all sorts of special events. They learn about food security types of programs that we have. And it's a great opportunity for us to promote things like farmers markets where uh, people can be engaged in the community even more. Dale, the foundation made a grant toward a workshop called Handle with Care, um, which is designed to improve children's mental health through family well-being. Can you speak to why it was important to add that component of the program to Thai Tikes? For sure. We've seen in the last number of years, like many other communities have seen, uh, emerging trends related to mental wellness. 
and also emerging trend, trends related to social isolation. So the Handle with Care program is a very specific program that takes parents and the children through a number of activities and a number of different um, resources that help them to uh, cope with things, uh, to talk through things, to realize where supports uh, and resources are available to them. And um, it happens in a sort of a stage um, session by session uh, so that it's not just a one time and then uh, it moves on. And so currently on you know pretty regular basis, there's a there's a handle with care session that happens here, and it has a definite structure to it, but it also is very informal so that it makes for a comfortable setting for our parents and caregivers as well. Can you speak to how this program, how Thai Tykes has benefited children and how that participation has really helped them build skills? I credit the Thai program for my children being successful when they come to nursery and to kindergarten. They are able to come into the classroom and they're not timid. When I take my children to their classes, you can tell the people that have been involved in either parent-child coalitions or even if their kids have been in daycare because they're just a little bit more social. They're not as emotional. The, the skills that they learn in Thai Tykes is so greatly appreciated by the staff because it makes the teacher's job just a little bit easier for uh, getting those kids to, uh, to be successful. We know that there are lots of good players and partners and organizations and agencies that are doing things in our community. So our, our real effort is to try and support those uh, where it has shown up in our plan as an important end of things. And so early childhood development is an important uh, component in our plans. And we're pleased to work with the Parent and Child Coalition over all these years and the Thai Tykes program in, in meeting some of those needs that are out there for our community. And Arlene, from your perspective, can you speak to how the program has helped caregivers gain more skills? I think one of the key things that the, the parent caregivers get is they get that adult interaction that a, a lot of uh, parents don't get without having something like this to go to. I've probably made 20 to 30 new friends just by coming through the Thai Tykes program. And the different programs that we offer that are adult specific, for example, the community kitchens that we have, somebody might learn a new dish or learn how to cook who never learned how to cook before. We also offer uh, first aid and uh, the food handlers courses, so that allows them to gain skills to help them uh, in future employment or even just to be uh, safer around the house. If people are interested in learning more about the Thai Tykes program, where can they go to get more information? Who can they contact? Uh, we have a Facebook group. I believe it's called Thai Tykes, which is T-I-E-T-Y-K-E-S. We also are on Twitter, I believe. Um, you can also contact the Elmwood East Kildona and Active Living Centre. They, uh, they can put you in touch with the coordinator who runs our programming. And uh, yeah, it's Tuesdays and Thursdays from 9 till 12 at 180 Poplar and Wednesdays 9 to 12 at 575 Larson, which is also the East End Cultural Centre. And I believe we're in the parent magazines as well too now. I just wanted to say one other thing that you know we really haven't touched on. Uh, the building here is known as the Active Living Center. Previously, uh, it was the Senior Center and the Retired Citizens Association. So we have a large senior population here with a, a, a number of senior programs. And so the intergenerational uh, connection that happens 
on the couple of days a week when the seniors programming is happening and the children's programming is happening is is a neat thing to see as well too and so when we host pancake breakfasts and things like that we always encourage any of our seniors that are part of other programming in the building to come and have breakfast with us and it's a really fun and neat connection to see that happening from an intergenerational standpoint both the young children but also the families the parents the caregivers and then our senior membership as well too well thank you very much dale and arlene for speaking with me today i really appreciate it thank you thank you for having us Thanks, Robert. Coming up next is the RC360 road trip. We were talking about it at the top of the show, where we're going to head off to the Marine Museum of Manitoba. We're going to go on a tour of the SS Kenora, Manitoba's oldest and most beloved steamship. Uh, it was built all the way back in 1897, and Shay Nordle is going to take us on a tour, and you can join us on the road trip. But before we get to that, uh, let's play another music. How about Rock the Boat, since we're going to be rocking the SS Kenora? Here's the Hughes Corporation. Rock the boat right here. RC360. Since our voyages love began Your touch has thrilled me like the rush of the wind And your arms have held me safe from a rolling sea There's always been a quiet place to harbor you and me Our love is like a ship on the ocean That flows from you Don't let me drift away, my dear When love can see me through Our love is like a ship on the ocean
Welcome to the River City 360 Road Trip. Today we're heading out to the Marine Museum of Manitoba to speak with Shay Nordle, the museum manager, to learn all about it. Let's go! So Shay, where are we right now? Just describe for our listeners. We're sitting in the galley, some sort of kitchen dining area on on the ship, and just tell us about uh, tell us about where we're where we are. All right, yeah, we're sitting where all the passengers would eat on the Kenora, which is in the dining room, and the galley is just to the back of us where they prepped all the food. Kenora was built in 1897, oldest one we have here, and tons of history. How many ships are here, and what's sort of the just the general what you can see when you come to the Marine Museum? We have six ships here, all representing different types of boats that were on the lake, from passenger vessels to fish freighters. Uh, when you come here, you actually can go through all six of them. You don't just look at them from the outside. You come in, you can check out every little nook and cranny, and we're all hands-on. So you can come in and steer the ship's wheel and ring the bells and just pretend you were out on the lake. Now we can go through a walk, go on a walk and sort of spin the wheels like you said and take a look at all the all the areas. What's the coolest part for you of all six ships? What what do you what are you most proud of? What's the crown jewel? The crown jewel here, I would say is the SS Kenora. It was the first ship brought up to be the museum in 1974. We've added the other five since then, but it has the most history and uh, being out on the lake as long as it was, the visitors that come, there are so many that remember stories from the Kenora or just seeing it on the lake that it's in everybody's mind. It's obviously had an incredible history in Manitoba. Um, what are, what are, what's a story that comes to mind when someone says here, oh, oh my grandma wrote it or something? Give me a story where um, you were just like really impressed when someone said uh, the history that their family experienced on the Kenora. You know, we've had some that have come in and said, you know, my grandpa was a captain on here, which is really cool because they said, oh yeah, we've heard stories, you know, of, you know, say a storm out on the lake and where we're sitting right now, some of the windows were pushed in and they were trying to board it up with the tables that are in the dining room here and other main pillars were cracking and a lot of the people said we thought the ship was just going to tear apart. We didn't think we we're going to make it off of it. So just hearing some of those stories I find unique. There's other ones such as the purser who was on here. When this would go up to the different communities, it was the ice cream boat, not the Kenora, the ice cream boat, because he would take ice cream for the young children. And when they saw the Kenora, they would go running to greet it. You've been here for over 20 years. Uh, tell me how it's evolved and how people have approached it uh, since you were a tour guide way back when and up until now. Well, when I started off here, like I said, all six ships were here. Um, just recently, we've started changing some of the exhibits, upgrading them, making them more interactive, uh, just just changing up a bit so you had a different experience when you come from, say, 20 years ago. Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, obviously, this has been here for a very long time. Uh, what are some things, if someone's been here 10, 15 years ago, what, what are they going to come and see that's new that they haven't seen in the past or that you've added in the past few years? In the past, we've had just you know picture displays up. Now we've changed it. We've digitized some uh, 
videos. So they're motion activated. You can come and listen to a diver talk about how he used to go down and fix the locks and dams. Uh, you can learn more about where these ships went, uh, how a steamship engine actually worked. You can come and see the gears going and, and then listen to some of the different calls of the, the whistle from the boats. One long blast, too short, and another long blast means that the boat was approaching a landing. It was also called a begging whistle because it alerted onshore workers that they were needed to unload. Go upside down and out of control. So over here, this is a feeler that I would uh, use for uh, feeling around wherever I go in around the rocks, holes in the cement, or anything like that. I used to make them, different types of them. Over here. So this is just a video talking about one of the diving suits from way back in the day. Looks like 1959. 12-pound boots, 100-pound lead belt to bring them down, and a crazy old-timey-looking helmet that they would lock into the uh, into the suit. So Shay, how do you feel when you see kids come through and they're allowed to, you know, normally the museum experience is a little bit um, sterile. You're supposed to look and not touch, but here it's completely interactive. And obviously you can spin the wheel, you know, you can do all the very fun things of being on the ship. How do you feel when you see kids running around and, and having fun? Not running, but walking <laughs> and having fun. Right, no running or jumping, but yeah, I, you know, the kids come up, they're so excited once they get here. They're like, mom, dad, we can go on. It's, it's, it's really nice and it just gives me a good feeling knowing that, you know, they can come in here and the parents are like, oh, don't touch that. You can't do this and that. And then I say, no, no, they can, you know, they're allowed to come in. We're all hands on, let them have fun, let them explore. And they'll get to some areas like the kitchen here. And I could be walking here, just checking things out for the day. And I'll say, oh, what are you going to cook me? Are you going to make me a grilled cheese sandwich? Or it's just nice to see them using their imagination here. And I understand one of your fundraisers is a Halloween haunt that where you set the whole ship up. And you mentioned before when we were kind of starting to walk through here that there might be a haunting on the Kenora. Can you talk a little bit about the combination of having the uh, having kids in to give them a little bit of a fright and how it might actually be haunted as well? We I do know that it is haunted. I've had a few experiences here myself um, that have made me more of a believer. Um, Hales go flying down the hall and running when I know nobody's on the ship. Uh, I've, I've had other passengers on, or like visitors on here that have said, you know, I see them upstairs dancing where they're, we're playing the piano and that. And I'm like, yep, I know that they're all here. And the message is that they're all happy that we've done the restoration here and we're preserving the history. But uh, our Halloween haunt, on the other hand, we bring in a whole bunch of people to scare everybody and make ghoulish ghosts and that but uh, it's a family event so one ship the Kenora is very scary we don't recommend it for young kids uh, another ship is non-scary so you can tour and still get the Halloween feel and then we have an entertainment one where we have magicians and stuff like that is that for a few days or in, in October it's usually the last two weekends of October it's on our webpage mariemuseum.ca um, everything's on there you need to know but uh, yeah it's our biggest fundraiser of the year and all the money from that goes towards the restoration of the ships here at the museum so where can people find out more information about the museum and how can they come on down and see you? When, what are your hours and all that? We're open May long weekend through September long weekend, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5, weekends 10 to 6, seven days a week for that whole time. Uh, then we get ready for a Halloween event, so we close down for a couple months and 
spook it all up and then we're open the last two weekends but to find out more information about that uh, other events like our pancake breakfast you can go to marinemuseum.ca and we also have a facebook page marine museum of manitoba well thank you shay for uh, the tour and showing us around and and just preserving this very important part of uh, manitoba's history thank you so much Thanks for coming on the RC360 road trip. See you next week, same time, different place. Thanks, Nolan. Up next, we'll head over to the Millennium Library for the ribbon cutting of a brand new makerspace that was launched earlier this week. The Idea Mill had its grand opening on Tuesday, and we spoke with Ed Cuddy, who is the manager of library services at the Winnipeg Public Library, and uh, he told us all about the 3D printers, editing software, VR headsets, and other cutting-edge technology. There's so much there, um, and it's all available for public use over at the Idea Mill. So uh, definitely worth checking out, and uh, you'll learn a little bit more after this next song. Seeing as how we're going to be talking about the makerspace, here's Bread with Make It With You right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to RC360. That was Brad with Make It With You. And speaking of making it, well, you can make pretty much whatever your mind can come up with at the brand new makerspace, the Idea Mill that's located at the Millennium Library. Uh, it launched on Tuesday. We were at the ribbon cutting and we were able to speak with Mr. Ed Cuddy. Uh, he told us all about the new space and what people can expect. Well, thanks, Ed, for talking to us today uh, at the grand opening of the Idea Mill. The uh, ribbon was just cut minutes ago. How does it feel to finally feel it, finally see everything kind of coming to fruition? It feels great. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so what sorts of things are people going to be able to experience if they come down here and check out the space? The, it's a tremendous range of resources and tools that people have access to here. Everything from uh, sound recording, um, data conversion so if you know if you were someone like me back in the day you made mixtapes and you still have them I don't have mine I wish I did but you could convert those to digital format uh, convert vinyl to digital um, sewing machines soldering so if you'd like to tinker with circuit boards you can do that here um, digital printing um, just a huge range of, of resources and it's going to change and evolve over time like it's really, um, this is a great event, but it's really just the start of the space. I think it will continue to grow. I would imagine that once you get a little bit of feedback from the people who are using the space, you'll understand kind of what their needs are and you can evolve from there. Totally. That's exactly it. Um, you know, the maker philosophy um, is all about collaboration and interaction. It's, it's not people in little carols doing their own thing and not speaking to anyone. It's about that interaction. So for example, like we have staff working here that know a lot about uh, sound recording. And so people will learn from, from him and I'm sure he'll pick up stuff from people that come in with their own experience and knowledge. So that's what it's all about, just kind of that communication. Are you hoping that this is sort of a, like kids to grandparents? Like who do you expect to use this space? Who do you want to be here? Everyone, uh, yeah, all ages. Um, I mean, obviously, tiny little kids maybe you know they're gonna need some supervision but uh, yeah I mean we we think that probably a huge number of youth will be using this space especially now you know once you get to middle school and you start really doing projects and that kind of thing thinking outside the box uh, teens adults seniors you know I, I envision having more time when I'm a senior so <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not but if, I would definitely be interested in a place like this absolutely um Looking around, there's a lot of modern uh, technology, the green screen, the VR headset. Why is it important to stay sort of on the, f on the cusp of how that stuff is working when it comes to a makerspace like this? Uh, it's important because we're providing access to resources that people don't normally have in the community. So uh, if you don't have the economic means or you don't have the access through your education, um, this is a place you can go and, and get access. So it's important that we provide as current as possible given, you know, the resources we have. What's the first thing you're going to build? 
What would I build? I w I'm interested in the sound booth because uh, I play keyboards, so they have a keyboard in there that's a lot bigger than the one I have at home. So if I can find some time, like maybe at a lunch hour, I would definitely get Dennis to help me and get in there and just tinker around on that keyboard for a while. So all sorts of creatives are welcome down here. Where can people find out more information if they want to come down to the IDML? Oh, they can find information uh, in our libraries. All of our libraries have staff more than willing to help uh, answer questions uh, online, in our newsletter. But, you know, our website, we have a page on this, this resource. Uh, yeah, all kinds of ways. So if you're a creative and you want to create something or if you just want to learn a little bit more about any new technology, come on down to the Winnipeg Public Library uh, at the Millennium Library itself. Uh, Ed, thank you so much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up next, we're sticking with the topic of engaging youth in the fields of science, technology, engineering, and math, where we'll be learning about Let's Talk Science, a very cool program that's doing just that. Bonnie Schmidt, the founder and president of Let's Talk Science, will join us via telephone shortly to tell us all about it. But first, here is Mantovani with Green Leaves of Summer, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360, Robert Zirk here with you today, and I'm now joined via telephone by Bonnie Schmidt, the founder and president of Let's Talk Science, and she's joining me via telephone from London, Ontario. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Let's Talk Science reaches more than a quarter of a million youth across Canada with educational programming in the areas of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Can you tell me a little more about the programming offered through Let's Talk Science? Sure. In fact, I will clarify that the uh, close to 300,000 youth that we reach in our in-person uh, programming is also complemented by about another half million more that we reach through some of our digital and online programming. Absolutely thrilled to talk about that program. The outreach program connects volunteers from universities and colleges across Canada with young people in schools and community settings to really get them engaged in learning about their future, building skills through hands-on science, technology, engineering, and math programs right from early childhood through the end of grade 12. And we're just thrilled with some of the work that's happening in Winnipeg with our volunteers there. Tell me about the local programming that happens in partnership with the University of Manitoba. How long has that been operating? It's been operating for well over a decade at at the University of Manitoba. We also have partnerships with the University of Winnipeg and with Brandon University. So although we've had roots in the province for quite a lot of years, we're just continuing to grow and we work with uh, this past year more than 230 undergraduate and graduate students who are giving freely of their time They're donating to give free services to schools and community settings within Winnipeg and the surrounding regions. They're doing amazing things. They're they're taking their own love of science and engineering and math out to the community to get kids who might not identify with those areas, realizing that they're smart and capable and it can lead to so many opportunities for the future. They're also bringing students to campus to help them understand better the kinds of pathways that are available for them if they stay engaged. Take me through what might be a typical workshop. What are some of the activities that a participant might be able to take part in? Sure. Well, the thing that's really unique about Let's Talk Science is we forge a partnership with the teacher or with a community educator. And so we don't actually have just a standard, typical workshop that a a teacher or a class would do. It's really important for us that we're able to do things that meet the needs of the classroom, meet the needs of the teacher, and are age-appropriate. But, you know, depending on what the curriculum activities might be that a teacher is doing, they can call up the volunteers at the university partners, talk with them about what they're doing in class, and then create a custom experience that really works for them. They might do something that's a bit more standard, like maybe magnet workshop, hands-on at the grade three level. They might do some things that are more related to space if they're working at, say, grade six or at a high school level. They also have opportunities, uh, especially at the high school level, to bring students to campus and do things like um, explore the labs, learn about the kinds of activities that might be available if they went to university. Not that long ago, at the University of Manitoba, they hosted a Neurotox symposium in which high school students could meet with uh, neuroscientists talk about some of the ethical issues, learn about the cool research that's happening on campus, and start to feel even more comfortable on campus. Um, They've also hosted some special activities for girls in science, um, and when they go out, they'll take all of the materials with them to work with uh, the teachers in the classroom. 
So I wish I could tell you it's a standard workshop, but it really is customized, and that's what makes this program so unique. It sounds like these programs are really allowing youth to see the potential opportunities in science, technology, engineering, and math. How are these fields growing in Canada, and why is it important for kids to have a solid understanding of these four fields, even if they don't end up pursuing them as careers? Absolutely. And in fact, one of the core mandates for Let's Talk Science is to encourage young people to stay in through high school in those areas of study so they have as many doors open to them as possible at post-secondary. It's, it's, it's a more complicated than, or more robust than just jobs because we are seeing that the, the grand global challenges that we face as a population will require science and technology innovation and inform citizens to contribute to the discussion and you know make big bold decisions what are we going to do about climate change how do we deal with energy sustainability how do we deal with agriculture changes uh, feeding and, and safe and sustainable water sources so the basic changes to becoming really informed and engaged global citizens requires a new level of science literacy just for everyday life. With respect to getting young people prepared for a job market, you know, we're telling them a lot that we don't really know what the jobs of the future are going to bring because technology has just disrupted so much of our lives. But what we can say is that that background, the the STEM training and the skills that are developed will help in every job, creative critical thinking, problem solving, communication skills are, are critical for everything. And increasingly, it's very clear that the jobs of the future, about 70% on average, are being estimated to need or benefit from the kind of STEM background that um, we want more young people to be pursuing. And it's not just reaching the, the kids themselves, but Let's Talk Science has had a growing presence in, in Winnipeg doing professional learning. So how can we support the teachers themselves so that when they're in the classroom on a regular basis and working with these kids, they're, they're giving more information around careers, they're helping young students develop the kinds of skills and competencies for the future. So we're really thrilled that, you know, with the Winnipeg Foundation support that we're able to work with teachers as well as with the kids directly. This year, Let's Talk Science celebrated its 25th anniversary, so congratulations on that. As the founder, can you speak to the beginnings of the organization and how it got started? Absolutely. It, it actually started in 1991 when I was uh, about halfway through my PhD studies, at which point in time it became really apparent that the level of science literacy in the, in the country was not really where some people thought it should go. And there was a lack of awareness of scientific research and its value. So it started as a very simple, I'd, I'd say very naive project in London, Ontario, just to reach out to local high schools. And as momentum built, we had more and more universities and colleges getting involved and more demand from the education community to connect in with post-secondary and connect in with STEM. It just continued to grow. I, I cannot believe it's been 25 years now. And we now work with 49 universities and colleges across the country. So that program, the outreach program, is so robust in the Winnipeg area, allows those student volunteers to also connect and create a national peer network themselves. 
They're able to build this wonderful family of volunteers who are doing amazing things in their local community but are also connecting in at a national level. And together, I think we're really making a difference in the country, inspiring futures and and helping young people become better prepared for a world that is changing so rapidly. Can you share with our listeners a success story that stands out from Let's Talk Science programming? Absolutely. In fact, we we now are old enough that we have numerous stories every year in which we're learning that some of the lead volunteers, so the site coordinators that are post-secondary sites, first experienced a Let's Talk Science outreach when they were in elementary school or high school. And many, many stories in which the experience of connecting directly with a young volunteer has transformed kids' opinions about their future and kept them in the science disciplines. So then they they self-identify as coordinators, saying that they first experienced us when they were 12, 13 years old, and now they're some of our key leading volunteers. If people would like to learn more about Let's Talk Science or even get involved in volunteer, where can they go to get more information? Well, they can start with our website at letstalkscience.ca, and then they can click through to find the contact information for a, a local site near them. Um, I do actually want to do a shout out, if I might, that every year within our volunteer base that's close to 4,000 people strong, we do have a Winnipegger who has been um, identified as winning our uh, David Coakley Leadership Award this year from the University of Winnipeg. So shout out to Michelle Trudell. Um, from Winnipeg, who's just done an amazing job with building the site and with uh, supporting her volunteers, along with the the many volunteers in the community. That's great. Bonnie Schmidt is the founder and president of Let's Talk Science. Bonnie, thank you again for joining me today. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Robert. We've got time for some more tunes before we say goodbye today, so... Uh, How about Frankie Carl with Cruising Down the River on a Sunday afternoon right here on RC360. If you will go along with me, we'll travel with the time.
That was Frankie Carl cruising down the river on a Sunday afternoon. It is only a Thursday afternoon, but uh, we thought we'd cruise down the river regardless. But uh, yeah, we've got some more time for, I think, one more song before we say goodbye today. So here's National Pops with Charles Gerhardt, Where or When, right here on RC360. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you for all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to our podcast, 
you can visit our website at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360 Views and News from Around Winnipeg is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Please give us a call. Uh, you can call us at 204-944-9474, extension 360. That's our listener line. Let us know what you think of the show. If you just want to say hi, even request a song, or let us know where we should go on our next road trip. If there's a really interesting Manitoba museum or archive that you know about, give us a call and let us know which one we should we should head to next. Give us a call, leave a message, 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also message us on Twitter and Facebook. We will answer that as well. Uh, search at River City 360 on Twitter or River City 360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell saying goodbye and signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend.